0: Today I am welcoming back Lisa Thompson into the reading corner. Uh, It's been a couple of years since our last chat and uh, Lisa has gone on to publish uh, more books since then but the one that we're going to talk about today is The Roller Coaster Boy. Very excited to be talking about this book which manages to strike exactly the right balance between having some serious things to say but couched in a story that is full of fun great characters and a wonderful mystery so Lisa thank you thank you for coming back and joining us again thank you very much Nick it's lovely to be back now it's called The Roller Coaster Boy and the very first line of your novel reads Aunt Lexi said that living with dad was like living on a roller coaster. It's an analogy that is used throughout uh, the book. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works for your
1: story? Todd and Laurie are my well. Todd is my main character, and he's got a little sister called Laurie, who's six. And their parents are parted, and um, the mum has she's got a job working for, for a charity, so she's gone abroad to work, and so they're staying with their dad, and the yeah the roller coaster just the imagery came through life that we all know the ups and downs of life and especially this is the case for Todd and Laurie because their their father has changes in his mood so sometimes he's very low and sometimes he's very happy and excitable so I just wanted to use that imagery of the kind of peaks and troughs of their of their life really but also to use it for something we all look at, don't we? We all kind of feel like it's been a bit of a roller coaster. COVID's been a roller coaster for everybody. So, hopefully, my readers will will recognise that analogy in their lives as well. I think
0: we all would do. Mm. It also serves to remind us a little bit about the places where you find roller coasters. You find them at fun fairs. You find them um, in theme parks, and you find them at the seaside. And of course, our story is going to take us to the seaside a little later on. But before we get there, I'd love to get a flavour of the story. I wonder if you'd read the beginning for us.
1: Absolutely. So I shall read um, chapter one. We are not going to the fair. Aunt Lexi said that life with Dad was like living on a roller coaster. You've had so many twists and turns. I bet you don't know which way you're going next, she said as she dished up our dinner. I knew exactly what she meant, but my little sister, Laurie, didn't understand. She was only six. Aunt Lexi, are we going to the fun fair? she asked. Her eyes were as wide as our plates, which were now filled with sausages, mashed potato and baked beans. We are not going to the fun fair, I said. You're not supposed to take it literally. You are so dumb sometimes, Laurie. Todd, don't speak to your sister like that, said Aunt Lexi. She put our dinner on the table and Laurie grabbed the ketchup bottle. But I've never been on a roller coaster before, said Laurie. Please, we're not going to the fair, I said. And anyway, you're too small to go on a roller coaster. They don't let shrimps on scary rides. I'm not a shrimp. I'm six, said Laurie. She squeezed the ketchup onto her plate and a blob of sauce splattered up and onto her school jumper. I'd need to check if she had a clean one in her drawer before Aunt Lexie went home. I didn't know how to use the washing machine, so she might need to help me. I began to cut my sausages up, and Laurie got up on her knees onto her seat like she did at every mealtime. Laurie, sit on your bottom, please, said Aunt Lexie. You can't eat your dinner like that. But Daddy lets me, said Laurie. Well, I'm not Daddy, so you have to go by my rules until he gets better, okay? said Aunt Lexi, and let's put these dirty stones away, shall we? Laurie liked to collect stuff. She used to collect feathers, and when she got bored with that, she switched to picking up random pebbles from the garden, claiming that they were valuable fossils. Aunt Lexi brushed the stones into the plastic tub that Laurie used to store them. On the lid in black felt pen, she had written, "'My precious fossils.'" I poked at the mashed potato with my fork. There was lumps in it. I opened my mouth to say something but closed it again when I saw how tired Aunt Lexi looked. She had been working since 8am in a care home, gone straight to the supermarket to buy us some food, driven 25 minutes to our house, filled the fridge and cooked us dinner. Now probably wasn't a good time to complain about lumpy mash. Aunt Lexi put a plate on a tray along with a glass of water. Apart from using the bathroom, Dad hadn't got out of bed for 15 days now. I'd been keeping track using the calendar in my school homework planner. He had been eating more over the last two days, though. When he got his appetite back, it usually meant he was starting to feel better. "'I'll just go and give your dad his dinner, and then I'll sort out dessert,' said Aunt Lexie. "'It's chocolate cake and ice cream tonight.' Chocolate cake, said Laurie. She waved her fork and a baked bean flew up and landed in her fringe. I picked it off for her and put it on her plate. I love chocolate cake. Aunt Lexi always gets us special food when she comes. It's like it's my birthday or something. We only get special food because she feels sorry for us, I said quietly. Why would she feel sorry for us, she said. I rolled my eyes. Sometimes it felt like my sister lived on another planet doesn't matter. You wouldn't understand, I told her. Just eat your dinner. Then you can have some chocolate cake, okay? She shoveled a big forkful of food into her mouth, then shuffled up on her knees again. Have you been on a roller coaster before, Todd? She asked, her cheeks bulging with potato. I went on one once with Dad. Mum and Dad took us to the fair, but you were really small. You won't remember it, I said. Did the roller coaster go really fast? She said. Were you scared? What was it like? I remembered the start of the ride. That was almost the worst bit. There was a teasingly slow crawl up a really steep hill and I was so nervous I felt sick. Dad wasn't scared though. He had been grinning and giggling like he was the kid, not me. "'Todd,' Laurie said, "'was the roller coaster fast?' Yes, it was really fast and there were so many loops that we must have gone upside down at least five times. In fact, it went so high that it started snowing like it does on the top of a mountain. Laurie giggled. Don't be silly, Todd, she said. I smiled at her and she turned back to her food, humming to herself as she ate. Me, mum, dad and Laurie had gone to the fairground for my eighth birthday. It was supposed to have been a birthday treat, but I remember not really wanting to go. Dad hadn't been well back then either. He wasn't tired all the time like now. In fact, he was the opposite of tired. It was like he was a human elastic band, pinging around all over the place. Watching him like that made me want to hold my breath in case he suddenly snapped in two. Todd, Laurie said, jolting me out of my memory. Do you think Daddy is ever going to get out of bed? Of course he's going to get out of bed. Now, eat up. Aunt Lexi will be down in a minute to cut you some cake. Laurie shoved the last piece of sausage into her mouth, then jumped down from the table. I looked at my half-eaten dinner. Thinking about the fair and picturing mum's worried face that day had put me off my food. Mum was away working in another country right now. That's why we had Aunt Lexie to help us. But what if Aunt Lexie wasn't around? And what if dad's other mood came back? The mood he had been in when he made me go on the roller coaster, even after I told him I really didn't want to. What if the other dad came back, the one who didn't listen and seemed out of control? That was the one I worried about the most, the elastic band dad.
0: And one of the things that I was really interested here is that you've got a first person narration, the 12 year old boy who obviously knows more than his six year old sister. And as a writer, you have to think about what would this 12 year old know and understand about what's going on? But also, what do I want the readers to know and understand? And there might be a gap between those two things that you've got to navigate. Is that true? Is that something that you have to think
1: about? That's exactly true. And I think, um, to be honest with you, writing in the first person helps that because you automatically write in from um, a young person's point of view. So you're seeing it through their eyes and you're trying to pick up what Todd does and doesn't understand and also he doesn't live with his dad full time so he only sees his dad occasionally Um, so he maybe wouldn't have understood everything as he would if he he was still at home so I think for what I want the readers to pick up from is what Todd picks up at the same time I think I think it's kind of a dual um, process or journey where Todd started to understand things and the reader is alongside him so they're not thinking oh this he doesn't understand what's happening and his dad's this and that um it's definitely a a joint journey for the two of them really
0: he is quite insightful and I'm not saying that 12 year olds can't be I think they can be but you give him a sort of empathy and insight for instance a lot of children might just say about the lumpy mashed potato but you take him through this thought process that shows he's really very considerate of the adults around him.
1: Yes. And I think
0: that's something
1: I might have taken from little things in my childhood. Not that I had I went through anything like Todd does, but this that I was I was talking recently about a writing exercise of, about opening a Christmas present, that feeling when you're a child and you open something and you don't like the present you've got. And so you put on a, you get to the cer- certain age or a lot of children. And I certainly remember doing this, thinking I can't let them down. I can't show that side. So I definitely wanted Todd to have that empathy with other people. I, I, he was, yeah, he's very... Um, he's such a nice boy really but he's also aware of other people's feelings and even though he does give his sister a hard time but there are times when he does pick a baked bean off of her fringe and sort of looks out looks out for her even though he's moaning about her quite a lot (laughs) Mm.
0: one of the things um again it's not a big part of the story but it's fairly early on before the the main story starts to happen and it's to do with how children who are coping with struggles like this often those struggles are compounded by those around them and I'm thinking about friends Mm. you know the cruelty of already suffering and then there's more suffering laid on that and it seems to me that that happens quite a lot in life you know children that are going through tough times don't necessarily get it made more easy for them by those around them no, you're absolutely right. And I
1: think, unfortunately, that's life, isn't it, really? But what I do try to do in my books is that, so Todd's upset with his friends. He's got two friends or one friend who's going off with another friend, and which is very common scenario, isn't it, really? And he's ha- kind of heartbroken. And towards the end, he realises who are the good friends that he makes more friends as the book goes along and he realized what good people they are and what good friends they are. So there's a bit of a lesson in there, very hard to, to swallow when you're um, feeling rejected and you feel like you haven't got anyone to, to talk to who are supposed to be your friend. So I did want to touch on that, but also show that Todd, he's sort of trying, he's trying to be a nice person and to be a good friend to his old friend. And, um, Trying to fit in, really, which is very much that age group, isn't it? I think when I write for the sort of eight to thirteen-year-olds, roughly, and lots of my characters, most of my characters are twelve, and it's just that fitting in of you're in a high school, you're suddenly all your your younger peers have changed or gone off with different people, and you're you're finding your way. So, and I think we can, we all remember that feeling.
0: It's it's tough. It's a tough world to negotiate, really. Mm. something else to say about todd's personality and his characteristics he's very capable and uh, we shouldn't equate capability with responsibility but he feels responsible and again this is something that i think happens to children who appear to be capable on the outside it masks the fact that they are children still yes um and he is really you know he's even looking at his dad's medicine to make sure that he's taken it but when it comes to the crunch and he realizes his dad isn't taking it he doesn't know what to do he's a child
1: he's a child yes and I think the way I dealt with that is that he's the tablets almost say keep out of the reach of children and it's almost a an acknowledgement that he is young and he can't he doesn't also want to upset his dad I think there's that fear of your your parents or your teachers or whoever the adults are in your life they're the responsible ones and they're the ones who should be looking after you and in control and um maybe Todd doesn't want to confront his dad because then he's questioning his dad's position in his in his family really I guess or worry his mum. I think as another, because his mum is um, working abroad and that he doesn't want to worry her and tell her what's going on as well. Mm. So yeah, it's finding or upset
0: Aunt Lexi. So mm. he's really caught in the middle of everybody. Really, There are lots of text messages that are almost sent and then changed at the last minute. So Dad doesn't, this is fairly early on in the story. Dad doesn't take his medicine and he goes into a a sort of manic period and gets very excited about the idea of taking the children on holiday to a hotel called the Paradise, where he was once happy with Todd's mum. And he's so excited about this grand hotel. You know, it sounds like five star plus. It's not quite what it seems. And it reminded me of a lot of those faded seaside towns that we have. You know, the hotels were larger than large because that's where everybody went for holidays. And And, it's like a character in this story. It's wonderful. Tell us a little bit about the hotel. Yeah, so it's completely that. It's completely inspired by those
1: old triple storey big hotels I saw as a child on various England um, seafronts and yeah this one like many I'm sure has really lost a lot of its business and uh, it's very run down but it's full of character It's, it's, it's a beautiful historical building and when they arrive it's just not as they expected so there's barely any guests there they turn up and there are some guests leaving who aren't particularly happy the smell of burning toast I wanted something to kind of impact the reader but oh things aren't quite going well and um and Scout is the daughter of the owner, and she is absolutely passionate about this hotel. It's her home. It's something she loves. It's been in the family for a long time. And her and her mum are just really struggling to keep it going. And it was wonderful to write, and like the flickering light bulbs and the, the lift that doesn't work, and really occasionally the electricity goes off. And so I really wanted to get that image of this building as being a big
0: central part of the book, really. Scout is a brilliant character. And I was immediately put in mind of that other literary Scout from To Kill a Mockingbird. And as I was reading, I thought this must have been in your mind, but I don't know, was it? It was, it was really. um, So Scout is very,
1: she has strong feelings about what she believes in and saving the hotel being one. And she's a strong character. So, and I love the name Scout and I remember Read into the To Kill a Mockingbird in high school, and she's a character that's probably stuck in all of our minds, isn't she? So yes, she's definitely a, a homage to that character.
0: Yes. Mm. Now, I don't want to take everybody too far into the mystery, but we can probably say what is at the heart of the mystery. It feels a little bit Agatha Christie esque.
1: It does. Yes. Yeah, so um, while they're kind of wandering around the hotel, so there's a Scout. And there's a boy called Patrick who's also staying there with his businessman father and then Laurie and Todd. And Scout tells them about a mysterious occurrence that happened in the 1950s. They had a, a mystery writer staying in the hotel and she vanished from room 42. So the room was locked from the outside and she'd had a cup of cocoa delivered at 10 o'clock at night and then the next morning she wasn't there. And it was kind of a story that... There was some interest back then, and people have forgotten about it now. So they decide to try and find out what happened to this author. And yes, yeah, she's very much kind of loosely based on Agatha Christie, who also went missing for a while. I think she just disappeared, and then it turned out she was absolutely fine staying in a hotel somewhere on the other side of the country, wasn't she? I believe.
0: Yes. Yeah. And there are two other characters that we haven't talked about. Uh, and they are—they do have an instrumental role to play, although they don't seem very pleasant uh, at the beginning. Tell us about the businessman and his son Patrick. So Roland and Patrick were a joy to write, and
1: Patrick is kind of followed his dad to this hotel. His dad's a big, relatively successful businessman, and he—he's quite an aggressive man, and he kind of—he kicks. Patrick out of their hotel room well it's a suite he's insisted on calling it a hotel suite while he has business calls and Patrick's kind of left to fend for himself so Patrick to start with doesn't really show much interest in his, but he's you can tell that he's copying the way that his dad talks and I think the less time that he spends with his dad he seems to um take on more of the person he really is he's very funny he's clever he sort of spots some things about the mystery they're trying to solve before anybody, anybody else does and the friendship between those children really does grow as the book goes on and he, he sort of transforms himself and so does his dad as well to be honest I think mm-hmm. Roland never quite goes to be the nice lovely person we hope but he does start to see things a little
0: bit differently towards the end as well oh. As far as the writing process is concerned, because you've had the opportunity to reflect on that over the past uh, couple of years, can I just ask you what sorts of things you've discovered
1: I think it's now I'm a mystery writer, first and foremost. And I think what I try now to do is think of the mystery and almost work backwards. So what kind of mystery am am I going to write? And then everything else seems to arrive around it. I knew I wanted to write a story about a father who wasn't very well with mental health issues and who had a lot of love and he's a nice man and he's kind and he's just not particularly well. That was kind of the the story but then I wanted the the mystery to be the thing where the readers can try and solve the clues before the characters do so that's always in the back of my mind so now I always start with that I always start with the mystery there's a lots of planning there's lots of thinking before I start writing and I do I do make some notes and write a synopsis but um under duress I don't like planning particularly
0: but I know I have to now so that's something I really learned the pieces definitely have to fit together in a mystery, don't they? But I like that. Uh, and there's a real skill to revealing that so that the reader does feel one step ahead in a genuine way. I mean, the other thing that struck me was the some of the patterning of the imagery in, in the book to do with the moon, which I guess some of that must come from reworking it and deciding how you want to thread that through.
1: Yes exactly yes and I think a lot of the good kind of clever parts of writing come through the editing like you're saying the reworking and you and you start to see the imagery after the first draft really so we have lots of references to the moon so I think the passage I read had the roller coaster going as high as the moon and then one of the rooms is called the lunar suite and And there's a a suspicious character staying in the hotel, which was lovely to write, who may or may not be a werewolf. That kind of thing doesn't happen in the first draft by any means. (laughs) It's definitely definitely something that you can play on more through editing and you suddenly spot these things oh fantastic and a lot of the time it's just coincidental and you think wonderful that works because of this part and that part so um, and then you just try and bring it a bit more to the forefront so that it's clearer
0: Mm. and when Todd first sees Scout she's gazing at the moon
1: yes
0: and then you start to think, well, actually, the whole story in a way is about attaining your, your moon, you know, so you can even take it to that level yes. as you think um, it through.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's definitely that imagery and, and with the roller coaster as well, that it might not be the crux of the story, but it helps to set the tone and, and to create the colours and... Um, colour and texture. Texture,
0: that's it. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. It is an absolutely super read. I have to say, I mean, I love all of your books, and I feel a bit disloyal to the others if I say that so far it's my favourite. And actually, I probably think that every time I'm reading uh, one of your books, but I really did
1: oh, enjoy you. it
0: so thank much. You.
1: Thank you. That's lovely.
0: And thank you for talking to me today.
1: It's been really lovely to be back.
0: In the Reading Corner is presented by Nicky Gamble and produced by Alison Hughes. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review. If you would like to find out about other events and courses, visit justimagine.co.uk. Join us again in the Reading Corner on your favourite podcast platform.